what is that around 67? Okay, what's going on? Psychedelic drugs, all that stuff, love, peace, uh, LSD and whatever. Okay, cool. There were so many aspects of the Smile album and the elements and, and all the things that made up the record that he just, uh, he had to, to just let it go. Because it came at a time when Brian was just really finding it difficult to stay focused. He wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it. It wasn't fulfilling him, it was painful. So uh, we made Smiley smile instead. Hello friends, and welcome back to the Salon Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for joining me on this morning, noon, or night, wherever you are. I hope you're doing well. Today on the show, we're going to play some catch-up before we move into the next season of the show. We just wrapped up the Smile Saga. I can't believe it. Including Smiley Smile and most recently laid in Hawaii. And man, you guys showed up for that episode. It was our most downloaded one yet, so thank you so much. That's very cool. I've been back on the road a little bit, thankfully, with the Sail On Band, and I got to see some of you guys in the flesh. So let me give a shout out to Joe from Pauling, New York, Jackie and Old Saybrook, Dylan and Michael in Ben Salem, Kim, Brant, and Randy in Stroudsburg, Nate in Kenosha, and then Chris and Jason in Oakland. I'm thankful for all the friendships I've made through this band, through this podcast. Thank you guys so much. And we have a handful of shows coming up if you guys want to check it out over at SailonSounds.com. Later on in the show, we're going to hear from Will and John, about the collection of demos that released on Brian Wilson's website. Very unexpected, but very cool. They're going to sort that out for us. And I've also got a special guest. Maybe not a guest anymore, just a new member of the family. But first, let's hear from some of you guys, some of our patrons. This is from Brent Windler. Hey, Wyatt, just wanted to say thanks for doing the podcast. It's super rad, and I'm happy I found it these last few months of this awful year. Really helped me get through it. Slowly making my way through the episodes and stoked to listen to more in the future. It's good to know that there are people out there that want to nerd out about the Beach Boys and the music in general, just like myself. I fell in love with the Beach Boys in high school, and like many other Beach Boys fans when I was born, 80s kid, during the formative years, I didn't have a lot of other people backing me up. Anyway, I was obsessed with You Still Believe in Me just gave me the chills every time. And it still does. Beautiful arrangement. Just to me, one of those perfect songs. I used to love putting this on and pet sounds in general during parties in my late teens. Everyone hated it and would usually change the record as soon as possible. I would plead with them to just listen to the beauty that was happening. In their defense, it's a terrible party record. Just a reminder of how much I love the song and how long I've been a fan. Excited to get to the Smile episodes and my favorite of the late 60s, early 70s records. I hope to come see you guys play when you start touring again. I hope all touring musicians get back out there this year. I really enjoyed your solo record. Good stuff, man. Any new solo releases in the future? Cheers to you and yours. Keep up the good work, brother. Brent. 
Thank you so much, Brent. And uh, yeah, I'm working on new music right now, as well as a lot of other stuff. Some new music coming out soon. And I love that story. Thanks for sharing it, man. And thank you for your support. It means a lot. Up next is an email from Jonathan. Hey, Wyatt. Thanks so much for the podcast. I've been listening during the pandemic from my place in the Himalayan hills of Northeast India. I have to say, it's helped me get through the boredom and isolation of lockdown and provided inspiration for my painting. Someday I'll write a lot more, including my own story. But I'd just like to say, how cool would a multi-season epic Beach Boys TV series chronicling their whole career be? Thanks again, Jonathan Matas. Well, Jonathan, I assume you mean like a drama, not like a docu-series. But yeah, I mean, if it's well done, that could be cool. I don't see it happening, though, for many reasons. But yeah, bring it on. I'd love it. Thank you so much, man. And uh, I hope you're doing well. Up next, we have one more email. It's from Kevin Durkee. Hey guys, first let me say that I found your podcast a few months ago after having a recommendation from the Winter of Discontent podcast, a deep dive into the Beatles' Let It Be recordings. Well, that's specific. I was born in 1968 in a very rural farming community. The music I was exposed to was mostly country. One spring in 1977, my uncle Dave, who was attending University at Michigan, took me to stay with him in his dorm for a little brother weekend. He had two cassette tapes. I remember picking up a handwritten cassette that said Beach Boys on it. When I pressed play, as the signal meters jumped, a glorious sound filled my ears. The Beach Boys, I had never heard anything like this. I listened and fell in love with those harmonies. Looking back, this must have been a copy of a greatest hits record. The other cassette was just labeled The Beatles, but honestly that day the Beach Boys had won me over. I listened to that cassette over and over anytime I saw my uncle. In my high school years, I even used Be True to Your School as part of my speech class. And Wouldn't It Be Nice was my love anthem for my high school girlfriend and I. Then one day while flipping channels, I found a documentary about the Beatles called The Complete Beatles, and everything else just fell away. And to this day, I'm a massive fan. But through the years and into the early 2000s, as I'd read stories about the Beatles, pet sounds kept coming up. So I went and bought the CD. I was blown away. This wasn't the Hot Rod and Beach Songs group, was it? This was transcendent, rivaling anything the Beatles made. Aching love songs, songs about self-doubt and loneliness, but always with those harmonies. Shortly after this, I read story after story about Smile, the album that never was. And just a few years later, Brian's Smile came out. I can only say that listening to it and the Beach Boys Smile Sessions made me dream of what could have been. I truly believe had Smile come out in 1967, it would be seen as an equal to Sgt. Pepper's. I just wish Brian had a partner who understood what he wanted to do and supported him. Maybe he did, and you'll tell me about that soon when I listen to the Smile episodes. I saw the boys on the 50th anniversary tour and Brian, Al, and the zombies just before COVID. Thank you for your podcast again. I'm now just getting into the Beach Boys that I haven't heard before. Feel Flow's ordered, and I picked up Pet Sounds box set this weekend at a record show. I have so many questions and things I want your opinions on, so I'll send another email soon. I hope to see you guys in concert too. Thank you for the podcast 
and opening my eyes to so much I didn't know. From a hardcore Beatles fan, all you need is love, sail on sailor, love and mercy. Kevin Durkee. Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much, man. That was a great story. And uh, I, too, was a huge Beatles fan before I really clung to the Beach Boys. Still am. But the Beach Boys have won me over. So here I am uh, doing a Beach Boys podcast. Thank you guys very much for your support. If you are interested in supporting the show and getting a ton of bonus content, you can check us out at patreon.com slash sale on. And we have a lot of new supporters to thank. Tom Vincent, Michael Polak, Naomi Shimek, Ash Tyson, Andreas Nyberg, Kevin Durkey, Dylan Thompson, Humphrey Plug, Jason Boykman, Tino from Garden House, Hill Duggan, Chris Hawking, Brian Kobashikawa, Ingmar Carl Helgeson, Mike Goler, Linus Tornquist, Ben Cook Feltz, Randy Marcus, and Peter Ames Carlin. Huge shout out to Peter, who most of you guys will recognize from his wonderful book, Catch a Wave. He reached out a few weeks ago, and it's been great just chatting with him. And I'm so happy that he's a listener of the show, and he's a really nice guy. So thanks, Peter. What's up? We'd love to have you on the show at some point soon. Joining me today, once again, back by popular demand, the beach babe of the East Bay herself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, my good friend and your summer dream, Melanie Svena. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for joining me again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. It's been over a year since you came on the oh show, goodness, something like has that. Been. Yeah, it's crazy. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> and man, I've been, you know, talking to you about coming back and we we've, we've had some other ideas, but we got to hang in real life a couple months ago and that yes, was that's fun. Right. Yeah, IRL hangs, man. So good. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, Finally. Yeah, we m- my wife and I went out to Oakland and uh we we hung out with, with Melanie and her spouse, and we ate a lot of things and drank adult <laughs> beverages. We drank all the things. It was fantastic. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> went record shopping. It was it was lovely. Yeah, so, good times. Yeah. Can't um, wait to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. We'll host you in, in Nashville next time. Looking forward to it. Um. So, yeah, what's up? What's new with you? <laughs> what is new? Uh, the world is still crazy right now, but that's okay. Yeah. We're just learning how to cope with that. Right. So that's cool. Um, I got really bored. And for those people who follow me on Instagram, I did a whole record cover series of Beach Boys records where I matched my outfits to Beach Boys records, which sounds frivolous, but actually helped mm. me from going crazy. So that was that was fun. <laughs> I know that uh, I know a lot of people really did enjoy that. I love <laughs> I loved it. It was so well done. I'm impressed that you were able to go beyond just the studio albums and do like <laughs> I still have more too. It's crazy, but I'm just like, okay, maybe I should just yeah. like calm down. You got to do bit. the 45s next. I know, you know. I do. I know. That should be my next series, right? It's like, dang. Right. <laughs> 
No, I loved that. I really did. Thank that you. was great. Thank you. Super creative. Um, I mean, I don't have enough colors in my closet to to do something like <laughs> I that. I tell you, man, some of those album cover palettes are they're tricky, but uh, you know, yeah, we do what we can. <laughs> Just yeah, the important well, stuff here, cool. folks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put a link to your uh, Instagram in the show notes, as well as your new Instagram. You have another account I that do. people might be into. Yeah, is that so, top secret or is that? No, not at all. Actually, no. Yeah, no, not at all. I think okay. anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm obviously obsessed with the Beach Boys, but I am yeah. very obsessed with beach party films of the 1960s, which kind of go hand in hand. Um, and there are so many more beyond the Frankie and Annette um American International Pictures ones. There's so many out there. So I thought I'd do a, a kind of a page dedicated to those wacky films of the 60s, which is mm-hmm. a nice little escape. So that one's called uh, Beach Party Beach Bunny. And that's on Instagram as well. Um, but nice. yeah, check it out. I even made a little playlist of uh, all the songs that are featured in those movies. So um, Sweet. that should be that should be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've, I've been fascinated by that whole the beach party movie series and then like the, the spinoff ones and oh, yeah. and all that stuff and the, and the, the music and the, you know, the art direction and all that. So oh, yeah, we talked about maybe doing something along the lines of a podcast for that. So we'll keep talking about that. Yeah. Tell us com- if you want to hear more of that stuff. If anybody's <laughs> interested in that stuff, please let me know. You get to see like, People like Gary Usher in the flesh. Like, exactly. <laughs> you it's know? fantastic. You know, Brian neat. wrote a lot of those songs in those early movies, too. So if you're really yep. a fan, you know. And he appears in uh, two of them, at least. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, sort so, of. I mean, like, I don't of. know if Monkey's Uncle is a, is a beach party you movie. You know, I mean, I'm going to count it to be adjacent. We got <laughs> some of the, it's, yeah. it's more of a Disney yeah, film, right. but you got Tommy Kirk, you got Annette. It's, you know, we could toss that in there. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Cashmere hills filled with evergreens Flowing from the clouds down to meet the sea With the granite we, we played a show out in L.A. area last month And I was able to, to drive up to Big Sur for a day And that was like mind-blowing for me I, I had never seen anything like it And I just put on... California Saga and cried because it was so beautiful. What an I couldn't experience. believe it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's something else. And I Definitely. didn't have much time, but I wanted to go like stalk Al and find his his uh, <laughs> his ranch. <laughs> to, like go knock on his door. I guess he doesn't. He probably has a gate. Just like probably. yell. Yeah. Al, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> no, uh, it was beautiful, and it made me. Re- you know, I really get it now. I, yeah, I understand. Definitely. You know, I right. think you have to see it. It's just so grandiose and everything is so bright and vivid and, and larger than life. And the way that the, the clouds roll off the mountains, it's just so surreal to be there. And it's just nothing like I've ever seen in my life. Right. So just that was cool. That song is but, the perfect soundtrack, too. I mean, it's it really oh encompasses gosh, yeah. all of that. So I got to say, I still have such a soft spot for the Holland version of Big Sur after hearing the the, the quote-unquote new version, right. which is the old version, I guess. Yeah. Um, I still, I don't know, man. I don't know I which one I like better, to be honest. I don't I know. I like both I, so much. I do too, but I feel like I'm torn now because I'm so obsessed with that new version, new yeah. old version that came out. It's just, yeah, it really right. puts it into a different perspective for me. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but they're both great. 
I'll take them both. Yeah, that's that's true. I love the I love the whole California saga suite. I think it just I don't know. It just it just works so well. It really paints a picture. Yeah, it really does. It's amazing. (laughs) That's a that's a material for another time. Yeah, but um, yeah, I figured we've been moving through this 1967 era of the Beach Boys, and there's just so much going on then uh, outside of Hollywood and and the Beach Boys world. And um, it's a fascinating time to look back on culturally and just so much change was coming from the Bay Area in California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I figured who better to talk to about that than you, (laughs) the Summer of Love movement or whatever, the gathering of the hippies. Um, the drugs, anti-war, free love movement, the right. Hyde Ashbury, everything. I just, you know, I I still haven't really wrapped my head around all of that. Um, and just doing a little bit of research, I guess I understand it a little bit more. But, you know, and then, of course, the Monterey Pop Festival, which we can talk about in a minute. But I just wanted to get your take on, like, the summer of love and, like, is there more of an understanding since, since you kind of grew up in that area? A little, a little bit. Um, <laughs> when I was about nine, I want to say, I was watching a, a documentary on it, actually, on uh, our little cable channel, KQED, PBS. Um, and I remember that being the first subculture that I wanted to be a part of. I think that's when my whole obsession with the 60s began. I just, my parents were, they were born in 56, so they didn't really, they were like 12 when the summer club right. was happening. So it was like yeah. not a big thing, but um, you know, they told me a couple things that they remembered, but I just remember like digging really deep into that and being really excited that it was where I was from. I was born in Berkeley. So to me, it just right. felt like, Oh, this is great. Um, and it's, it's just, it's really interesting because I, I want to say like a lot of the things that were happening then are kind of, we're kind of going through it now in a way um, just the social change and kind of, the awareness of social issues and things that are going on like that. But I think the thing that makes it so different from now from then is, is the music. The soundtrack just isn't there these days. And I feel like that was a driving force to the things that were going on in the sixties. Um, and that's kind of how people got their, their points across, which I think is really important. Music is, you know, obviously it really transcends and, um, that's the thing that's lacking right now, I think. So it's really interesting to look back at that time and see what they were going through and all the turbulence and to have that kind of soundtrack going on at the same time, it just makes it even more overwhelming in a way. Um, but yeah, I've always been fascinated with it. Um, I've always, that started my love of the 60s. I always loved the 60s. I've dabbled in other eras, but I always come back to the 60s. Um, you know, I got really into psych. That was my whole thing for a while. I remember 2007 was the anniversary of the Summer of Love. And yeah. I worked in Berkeley at the time. And I thought it was just so cool, you know. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah. like it, you get that whole, like, you know, hippie free love vibe. But when you really dig deep into it, there's like that underbelly of kind of nastiness, too, as well. Which is very, I feel like it's very interesting as well. It's not just all like free love let's go you know yeah. walk around and put flowers in people's hair there's like some crazy stuff going on so it's it's really fascinating and um it's it's funny talking about it to other people who aren't from here because to me i just kind of take it for granted it's like yeah whatever you see like i used to go to hate ashbury all the time as a teenager like whatever it's not a big deal but it is a big part of history and it's nice talking about it to other people because then it makes me really like examine it so i i think it's really cool um 
it's a interesting era and um i wish i could have been a part of it in some ways but i feel like <laughs> in some ways we're kind of going through it now so yeah yeah here we go <laughs> yeah i watched a couple of things online about it um some news productions of the time it was covered like really extensively in like national news right it was like this big thing that everybody wanted to know about so i think part of the reason that it became such a big movement was because it got covered you know so widely and people from all over the country were like flocking to san francisco to be part of this you know people that had just graduated high school or you know in college and you know were just had nothing else to do i guess yeah um (laughs) right i don't know i mean it's just so bizarre it's like what did where did these all these people sleep there's like a hundred thousand people yeah just like hanging out on the street and like (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) i don't know it's like i want a bed and like a shower right right i guess it's just i mean that's the whole thing that's why i'm not a hippie but (laughs) i totally agree with like you know the social stance that they took and you know the the ideas that they were promoting and the music is awesome, but yeah, I just can't wrap my head around the whole hippie thing. Yeah, um, it's a little, it's <laughs> it's a little much for sure. Yeah, it's funny because I definitely tend to. It's when I was a kid, you know, it was like, oh wow, I really love their clothes, and I wanted to be a hippie, and you know, this thing. But as I got older, it was yeah, I started to feel the same way. I was like, that's not that's not the life for me, and. I kind of gravitated more towards like British psych. I didn't really like the American stuff. I'm not a Jimi Hendrix fan. Yeah. I don't care. You know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah. um, it's really interesting to see, but hey, they, they were doing it and, um, you know, they were having fun. So to each his own, I guess. <laughs> we were supposed to headline the Monterey Pop Festival, but the last minute Brian backed out. Monterey was a turning point in rock and roll. Overnight, the whole scene changed and we felt as if we'd been passed by. Yeah, so of course the the Monterey Pop Festival was a part of this movement, right? And it featured Jimi Hendrix, your favorite, <laughs> um, Grateful Dead, <laughs> the Who, uh, Robbie Shankar, um, and the Mamas and the Papas. And it was supposed to feature the Beach Boys. If anybody you know that's listening to this show hasn't figured that out yet, we've talked about it a good bit. But oh yeah, whether they you know backed out because of brian's paranoia or it was carl's draft status or i've even heard that mike had problems with coca-cola who was like one of the sponsors right um who knows whatever it was they backed out pretty last minute and i mean what if they had showed up and worn because they were wearing their white pants and striped (laughs) shirts and like get up there with their like clean cut image and yeah you know and play surf in usa i don't think it would have gone over yeah i think i think about that all the time i try to like i'm like in an alternate universe if this had happened what what were the yeah events that would have happened afterwards and i as much as i like to say oh they really dropped the ball because you know they get invited to this and this is it and this is like you're this is the bus if you don't get on this bus, you're going to get left behind. And they got left behind. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're right. It's like, what do you do? Look at this lineup. It's, it's, they were already left behind in a way. You know what I mean? It's, That's true. They're on a different plane. And, you know, I, I love them to death, but I just, I don't really see it being a cohesive lineup with them involved. I mean, it's just, it doesn't gel to me. It, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, it's kind of overblown as being the one event that really, you know, set set in motion, like their downfall and you know, stuff. I yeah. think they were already on the way down because they just hadn't 
done anything in a while and they weren't moving at the pace that everyone else was and they right. were and they were kind of moving in a different direction which you know I'm glad that they kind of just did their own thing. It's it's hard to see at the time, you know, how these decisions are going to affect these things and hindsight, you know, and whatnot. But I mean, like you said, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's better that the way it turned out, I think. I mean, you know, all the turmoil and all that stuff behind. It's like now we have this well of wonderful music that was, you know, coming from this little home studio and we didn't have to deal with the drama of sticking out like a sore thumb at this pop festival. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Exactly. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been a complete all out disaster, but honestly, I just feel like that was probably the right decision. Like you said, it was, it's kind of like what's going on today. And there's like, there's kind of like a weird undercurrent. There always is though, right? There's always right. like two sides of everything. It wasn't just all this peace and love. There were tons of race riots going on all over the country, like in oh, yeah. major cities. It was called the long, hot summer. And, you know, while all these mostly white crowds are flocking to San Francisco, many, you know, black Americans in inner cities were at a breaking point over like segregation and racism, right. inequality, poverty, um, housing market, uh, unemployment. It was going on at the very same time. And it's yeah. like kind of like makes the whole summer of love thing feel kind of phony. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, what, is, what are all these people doing here? Like, there's real things happening. Yeah, I, I, so. I feel that too. It's um, it's funny these days. We we talk a lot about you know privilege, um, sure, and you know that's obviously what was going on. People didn't really notice it or or point it out. Meanwhile, the rest of the country is like fed up, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it 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 it's it's crazy because the juxtapose between that happening then and this happening now there's a lot sure. of you know people coming together in unity and i, I wouldn't say it's a summer yeah. of love per se but yeah it's yeah. definitely more of a summer of of learning and and mm -hmm. and listening because that's not what was really going on back then it, it, we didn't right. have the internet back then all that stuff you know but yeah um yeah it's just crazy like you sitting there and standing for peace and love while you know all over the country, as you said, is exploding into violence because people are so fed up. It's like, pick your battles, man. Like, you just want to go, like, zone out and listen to some band? Or do you want to, like, mm -hmm. fight for some rights? Like, come on, people. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah, interesting. And I, I think we still see that today, though, with, like, yeah. Instagram activists and stuff oh, like that, where it's yeah. like, you know, I've done my part. I posted my black square, and now I'm going <laughs> to... Don't even get me started you know, just, on the black yeah. square. So... You know, and yeah. we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but, <laughs> and it was also just like that summer was really hot. And then the Vietnam war right. was going on. It was right. just stressful. Like, and I think part of the summer of love was just like, you know, a way to kind of cope with all of that, with everything that was going right. on. I mean, maybe it well, wasn't. I mean, it's, it's some escapism for sure. Right. I mean, there's so much going on. Yeah. You're going to have these kids who just want to like hang out and, you know, hitchhike and sleep on the streets. I mean, it's it's almost like what I said earlier about the soundtrack, but not being right. It's like, I was I always talk to my husband about that. I'm like, you know, the difference is there's no protest songs these days. There's nothing going on. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I sound like, a, like an old fogey, yeah. but it's funny because I'm like, in a way, I'm like, that's the escapism, you know? It's like, we can't all just be, it's, there's so much going on right now. There's like, we got COVID, we got, you know, yeah. social issues. We got all this crap going on. 
do you really want to turn on the radio and hear somebody like bogging down about that? Like, no, like, right. It, it's just, it's crazy. Like last summer was so socially active and so insane and just crazy. And our biggest song was about a vagina. Like mm-hmm. that is, that tells you a lot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. more power to them. And that's awesome. But like, it's just like, you need a break. It's, it's, you're going to go crazy. And I kind of see it the same way back in 67. It's like, there's, there's, so much crap going on. I mean, you can't do everything. You can be aware. You can you can do what you you know you can. But honestly, what are you gonna do? You feel helpless sometimes. So, you know, I feel it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I do feel it for sure. <laughs> Not to get into that. Everybody needs to take care of themselves, though. Yes, <laughs> we promote we promote self care, definitely mental health on this show. <laughs> Man, and my goodness, there's not much better you know, self-care than the Beach Boys music. I mean, it saved my life. <laughs> boy, oh boy. More than I get once. so many great emails about people that have gone through, you know, awful things. And it's always the Beach Boys music that pulls them out of it in those times. Anyway, I feel like that's pretty heavy. Let's... Uh, <laughs> There's just so much. <laughs> this is therapy for us, too. So we yeah. have to... Yeah, deal with it. Say what we need to say. Exactly. I don't know if that's the right sound for this. I guess I just... I'm going to make an adjustment. I thought it would be fun if we played some of our favorite songs from that summer of 1967 songs that if you just turned on the radio at any given time you'd probably hear and um kind of getting in the right mindset for this era and kind of understanding why the beach boys were not cool anymore (laughs) uh and it's very evident when you hear these songs why um but you can hear that over on the patreon page if you're interested, that is patreon.com slash sale on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Hopefully we can get together soon and do it again. Yes, thanks for having me back. I always enjoy myself. Okay, so a little bit of news is Brian's website has posted a whole bunch of tracks from throughout his solo career. Yeah. So we thought we'd kind of explain all these because the the site itself doesn't really do a great job of giving context to any of these songs and uh, also maybe just kind of talk about our own opinions of all these tracks. Feel Force is coming up, but I'm sort of, the last couple of weeks we've both been really into Brian's solo stuff again, which does not happen very often, but this, like, these tracks came along and it's like oh hang on there's a lot of things to talk about and it's it's just got us interested in it, in it again because it's um i think not something we, we cover very often like just in talking about beach right. boys stuff you sort of forget it's there and then they've done this and it's made it all exciting again so some some of this stuff we had on bootlegs and like lower quality but some of this stuff was new to us so 
Uh, let's talk about it. So if you go to brianwilson.com, there's a timeline thing at the top. If you click on that, you can click on each separate decade. And all the 60s stuff, that doesn't have any... It's just like little articles. But once you go to the 1970s and beyond um, and scroll down to the bottom, they've got some some tracks you can stream on the actual website. So, yeah, let's start at the 70s. And they said they were going to update this with more stuff in the future, which I really hope they do because oh, yeah. that'll be great. Um, I mean, Yeah, I, hopefully we don't have to wait months or something. <laughs> yeah, because this was apparently planned in 2014 and they had one thing that went up on the website. It was on... Um, something was on Brian's Instagram a long time ago and then something else was on SoundCloud and this was planned in apparently 2014 so I hope it's not like another seven years until they put like chain reaction yeah. of love on there or something but um, need that yeah please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Brian's Instagram posted these uh, I don't, the guy who, who runs it just like films his computer screen and the audio coming out of his speakers and you could tell it was like great quality demos but why why would they do it that way i don't know <laughs> just to give, just to make us annoyed <laughs> okay so let let's talk about these tracks so on the 70s page he posted five different demos from the Love You album. Just piano vocal demos for Airplane, I'll Bet He's Nice, Little Children, Love Is A Woman, and Mona. And I feel like most of our listeners probably would have heard these before on the Brian Loves You boot. That's a pretty popular boot. But if you haven't, check them out. And if you have, also check them out because they sound great. Yeah, it's really great to hear these in like the cleanest they've been so far. I've missed out a few of them that I hope they're going to put up at some point. It's like Stella Dream of It, It's Over Now, and... Let's Put Our Hearts Together and That Special Feeling are the oh, ones yeah. I want to okay. hear the most. Um, so these were like, I think, sort of early October 76 is when mm-hmm. they've... Uh, I, think, I think we've nailed them down to. And this was these were basically like Brian trying out the new songs that, like, you know, Landy basically said, hey, you've got to write songs for therapy. Um, so he went away and wrote a whole batch of new songs. And these are basically um, like his new, the ones that he's, he's just written. Because he did, a little bit earlier, he did like Hey Little Tomboy and Marilyn Ravel and I Want to Pick You Up and a couple of other things and then tried to sort of say, okay, I've recorded like four new tracks, let's finish some old ones and turn it into an album. And this was the thing that people talk about as the new album, um, which never had a title but never ended up, come, ended up coming together. But then Brian started writing some lots more new songs. And it went into what became Love You, and he just recorded lots and lots and lots of stuff. Um, so these are this is a really fascinating thing because Mike Love is there. I'm not sure who else is there. Stan, um, Stan Love, Mike's brother, is definitely in the room. And it's at uh, Brother Studio. You know, Steve Moffat is engineering it. It's just on a cassette. It's not like a proper studio thing, but they are recording it in the studio. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating little window into literally them hearing these songs for the first time and. The best moment yeah. I think in the whole thing is when Mike gets so enthusiastic about how about his nice and it, it's it's such a great thing to hear on tape. Like he's just when Brian goes in the goes in the bridge and he's like losing it. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. 
at the beginning of the song too when brian sings the first couple lines he asks something like whose writing is this yeah he's like is this your song because <laughs> because it's strange brian's sort of in robot mode when he does this if you listen to the whole thing which is bootlegged song after song he basically plays a song and then we'll just immediately start playing the next one without talking to re- responding to anyone else in the room and it's, it's a bit weird to listen to but yeah S- same with listening to that the it's okay tv special like the bootleg mm. where they're going through the songs everyone else is chatting in the background all the other beach boys and brian's just kind of sitting there at the piano silent until they need to sing yeah and then <laughs> the director's like can you do surfer girl and he's like we're a rock group no <laughs> <laughs> that's a sissy song yeah that's the oh, that's, that's the line yeah but these things i think um he doesn't do all of the songs for the ended up on love you because i i think some of them like i'm pretty sure the night was so young and my diane were like his aesop's fables era songs like things he wrote from 73 <laughs> to 75 and brought back out later i don't think they were newly written but that's just my theory and then other ones like honking down the highway and um let us go on this way were more kind of spontaneous and came along in the studio i know solar system was that way so i i think these are these um eight songs or however many it was are the new things that he was just written and he's airing them out for the very first time um it's pretty cool and then yeah. we move along to quite a big jump to the mid 80s like 10 years t- 10 years is the next um 10 years ahead is the next one So the first thing says, Unknown Vocals Demo 1986. So, Will, do you want to give some background on this one? Sure. Okay. So, so like, evidently Brian's people don't know what this is, but we do because we're <laughs> smart like that. Um, this is actually a song called, with, I'm pretty sure it's a song called Mary Honey that Brian had wrote, according to um, Chuck Crane, a guitarist who worked with Brian in, like, 77 or 78. Um, Brian had actually written this song called Mary Honey in, like, back in the 70s. And you hear him on the 90, the famous 1990 Hotel Room Jam tape with like Brian and Bruce Johnston and Jeff Foskett and John Stamos. Uh, Brian at one point starts playing through this progression. You can hear him singing the words to this thing called Mary Honey that we've heard about um, off mic. And then later on for the Imagination Sessions, he rewrote it as, as Melinda Honey. Um, and then he did it again in 2008, like just got a song about Marilyn and changed it to be about his second wife, which is quite funny. Very Brian. Classic. Yeah, so, so in ninety nine, so in ninety ninety, Brian was playing this thing, and this website says it's from eighty six, but um, I'm pretty sure it's either going to be nah. from it, no, it's it's either going to be eighty seven, like the Brian Wilson eighty eight solo sessions, or it's going to be from ninety ninety from the Sweet Insanity sessions, but we don't really know which one of it is. It, this was sort of just a mystery, and it took some working out to figure out what this song was because it's the same chord progression as another thing that we're going to talk about. The the amount of songs he recorded for um, the self-titled brian wilson album is insane yeah lots he, of lots there's of them. many we haven't even heard there's just like if you think about how much music brian made in the 70s he had the 60s which was like a one-off thing and then he made a lot of stuff in the 70s that is a lot of it went unfinished or by the wayside and stuff and then the 80s was like as much music as the 70s almost i think I walk the line, I walk the line every day for you. 
Walking the Line demo 1986. Uh, this is from a point in time that everyone likes to call the Wilson Project, when he was kind of kind of before his first solo album, when he was at first working with Gary Usher. And they got to reunite and write a whole bunch of songs together and record before Landy kind of pulled Brian away from Gary and they, they stopped. Yeah, which was, at this point, it was written by Brian and, and Gary, but on the, the album it's credited to like Brian and uh, Landy and Alexander Morgan and Nick Led Close and Gary's name isn't even on it, but it's the same lyrics. Yeah. And what, what sort of happened there is Landy basically trying to like get Brian to change the lyrics to things he'd written with his with his wife so he could get songwriter royalties. Um, so there was a version of Walking the Line that's bootlegged with like Terence Trent to Arby, like another name because they were trying to shove Brian into collaborations with everyone during the solo album. And it's, it's kind of a fun thing, but the lyrics are totally different. And those lyrics are the ones that uh, Landy and um, Alexander Morgan wrote. But then they didn't use them. There was like I think Lenny Waranka said like there was some drama about wanting to go back to the original. Brian wanted to go back to the original words. So then they actually recorded the original Brian and Gary Usher lyrics for the final version of the album. But Gary's name didn't end up on it. Um, but yeah, they're the same lyrics pretty much as these. And Nick yeah. Clothes sort of changed the melody a bit to make it better. And Andy Paley wrote a line too, right? Oh yeah, it's the the run, 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 and running out of my mind. And then uh, Brian also like ripped off part of "Looking Down the Coast" by Al. If if Al didn't rip it off from right. Brian, which has you know, we don't know, <laughs> we don't know if he didn't. Um, so, and also, um, the night was so young. He's got the high part in the uh, the final version, not this one. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so the writing credits for this thing could be like if you want to stretch the whole thing out, it could be like Jardine Wilson, Usher. Landy, Morgan, Glad, Close, Paley. Like just for just for walking the line. If you want to like have officially everyone who worked in the song. All right. Yeah. So the next one is. Let's go to heaven in my car demo 1986. Yeah, this uh, is this is it's a rough mix of the yeah. actual song, it, but like this, pretty much everything about it's different. Like you can hear some of the same guitar in it, but because um, it's the 80s and they just rework things so heavily, like it's it ended up not sounding like anything like what's here. Um, but it is mm. like the same version. It's just the thing that ended up in the album, but like really heavily reworked. Yeah, um, so if you guys don't know, Let's Go to Heaven in My Car is kind of a mashup of two songs Brian had. Uh, one called Water Builds Up, which he later redid for Sweet Insanity, and one called Let's Go to Heaven in My Car. So Gary Usher kind of heard these two songs and decided to combine them. I really don't like that opening line. It's like, <laughs> so many times I've had that hungry feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Yeah, I don't like Or it. I'll don't... never be satisfied touching you with my eyes. Yeah, I only no, know that's it's not a good one. For, I only know it's time for body contact. That's awful. <laughs> uh, it feels worse to hear Brian sing them for some reason. It just doesn't fit. I think the whole thing with Brian for Let's Go to Have Him in My Car is the title. He really like the title because it's just a funny title. But what everyone seems to sort of 
gloss over is that it's a Dennis Wilson lyric, it's from the song Dreamer, which Brian, I guess, like subconsciously or consciously remembered and then decided to make a yeah. chorus about it. But that's from that's from the Dennis song. Um, but he, so I, I guess you could credit Dennis on this thing if you wanted, but it's uh, more proof that Brian definitely did listen to Pacific Ocean Blue, <laughs> even though he keeps saying that he didn't. Um, right, but, okay. They sort of play really loose with what they call demos on this website, and I know that's got some, like, Andy Paley's wife, like, sort of challenged that as well, and they, I think it's just, you know, the social media people, um, they didn't know what, um, they didn't know what one of the songs was even called, so it's, I don't think it's anything, like, intentionally, like, downplaying what some of these things are, but, what well, the things- No, they're Brian, just confused. Yeah, the, <laughs> the things Brian was doing with Gary- were sort of referred to by Gary as demos, but what that meant for them, I think, was they were recording these things on 16-track at Gary Rush's home studio. And the plan was to use them to get, like, a record label to sign them. And then they'd go back and then they'd transfer these things over to, like, a proper studio, a 24-track, and then finish them up. Like, they weren't going to be redone for an album. So even though they were sort of being talked about as demos, they were, like, like proper studio, like, recordings that were going to be finished and put on an album if, like, everything went according to plan. Okay, the Spirit of Rock and Roll demo, 1986. Which again is so just this a rock a, mix of a thing that was actually yeah. like aired on TV, so it's not a demo. <laughs> right, yeah, so this is another one with Gary Usher. Uh, the two wrote it together. With Tom Kelly as well. Yeah. And then this is the version that the Beach Boys overdubbed and kind of mimed slash performed at their 25th anniversary show. In Hawaii. But this, this is before that. This is just Brian and... All those guys. Yeah, there's a bit like rough mix from this. It's, it's like much more complete than this, and then there's um, and then there's the one that aired on TV with the Beach Boys as well. It's sort of um, sort of interesting that they've they've gone back to. I don't I don't even know where they where they got these things from because this isn't something that was bootlegged. It's like an earlier mix than anything we've heard before. Gary Usher wrote it because he had a dream that Mike Love came to him and said they need to write a song <laughs> called The Spirit of Rock and Roll. Oh yeah, I've got a thought. <laughs> It's not a bad song. I mean, the best version of it is the Sweet Insanity one because just it's just like so over the top, like insane, like '60s nostalgia, '80s power rock sort yep. of thing, and it goes all the way with that. I think it needs to. And like, you Brian, need Bob Dylan on it. Yeah, you need confused Bob Dylan. He sounds like he just woke up, <laughs> like he's wandered in the studio, and he's, he's never he doesn't know who Brian Wilson is. <laughs> he's singing two lines that they copy and paste. I, lo- I love the Bob right. Dylan cameo. Jeff Lynne and Tom it's Petty it. and stuff were in there, and. The Sweet and Sanity version is great. And Brian did it again in 2005 or 2006 for this Hallmark CD, and that one sort of sounds dead inside. So when, um, <laughs> this is the original. Um, I think there are four versions of that actually, because they Brian and Andy Paley, I think worked in it like in '87. Another version for the solo album mm. that was left unfinished that we've never heard. So there were like four spirit rock and rolls sitting out there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Someday. Somewhere. Terry, she needs me. And there's nothing I can do. Terry, she needs me. 
Terry, She Needs Me. So this is obviously a rewrite of Sherry, She Needs Me, or Sandy. And this is from a little bit later. As you can see, it's from 1987. This is from when Brian was working on his solo album. And because Russ Titleman was co-producing, and he and Brian had written the song back in 64. So this is them kind of coming back together and redoing the song again. Yeah, it's it, they got like part of the way through making an album, and then according to like the official album press package, so I take it with a grain of salt. Brian wanted the album to sound more modern, so they were like go to New York and work with Russ Tileman, which ended up being quite a good thing, I think. But um, one of the stipulations was Russ was like, okay, if, if I do this, I want us to record Cherish and Needs Me again, and then they wrote it into this one, um, which should be Terry spelled with an I, not a Y. Um, but they've, you know, oh, whatever, Brian's website, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so they did this and then Landy was the reason that it wasn't finished and wasn't put on the album for some reason, I think, because Landy couldn't get it, couldn't get in there to change the lyrics and get a songwriting credit, so he was like, you're not doing this. Um, and somehow managed to get his way with that, so they never completed it. But it's got this Brian yeah. scratch vocal on it, which is terrible. It's re- I'm amazed that they released it. I'm glad we get to hear it, but <laughs> this is like maybe the worst I've ever heard of sound. It's, it's pretty great. Okay, uh, let's do it again. This is another one from the from 1987 for his solo album. It's a rewrite of a song he'd written a couple years ago called Black Widow. And I'm pretty sure Landy wrote these lyrics, right? Um, maybe. Sort of, this was, this was written in like 85, so it was written like when they were doing Black Widow at the same time as like an alternate sort of version yeah. instead of just being like a later rewrite. To make it more commercial, which is what I think. I think some people thought it was. Um, yeah, definitely like definitely a Landy co-write in this one, which a lot of the songs are. But um, this is one that was going to be almost on the final album. Like this is an early mix of it, which is quite strange because there was like a finished mix of the song, like from 1988, that was going to be on the album, and then it was like rejected at the last minute for some reason. But this, this is one that went like really quite far. It was almost on the final album li- lineup, and it, it's um, kind of a cool song. It's not as good as Black Widow. No, it feels a bit sort of a bit a bit blander. It doesn't have that weird like chord change in the in the in the verse. It's it's a bit more like softened up a bit to make it sound more I don't know poppy, I guess. Because the original is yeah. a, is a strange yeah, sort of dissonant, you know, that piano vamp thing he's got going on at the start. It's one of Brian's stranger things from the 80s it's good to hear it and anyway um, I hope we get like the finished like mix that was supposed to be on the album at some point okay next one unknown title aka Angel so (laughs) this title is not unknown because I know it it's called So Long it's a song that Brian had done with Gary Usher in 86 
uh, it's been bootlegged as Turning Point. It's a pretty popular song on Brian Wilson bootlegs. So some of you might be familiar with it. And great to hear it in this quality now. Yeah, but this is, um, we mentioned this before, this is like a, a rewrite of, of um, the song Marry Honey. Same chords, right. but a slightly, a slightly sort of different melody. So Brian took it, something that he'd already written like 10 years earlier, and then rewrote it like into this new song in front of Gary Yosha without telling him. And then later on went back to the original idea for the song, and then turned it into a song about Melinda, and then turned it into Turning Point. Um, I'm getting it over my head with Stephen Carnage. Oh, you and then mean, went, you've touched me. Oh, you've touched me, yeah. Sorry, no, I'm, yeah, I'm getting all mixed up. <laughs> and then went back again and turned it into Melinda Honey again in like 2008 um, in Gary Griffin's studio. Um, so this song's had a long history, but this, this is the version that was co-written by Gary Asher. And, uh, yeah, Brian does that a lot, huh? Bringing songs he's already written with other people or on his own to other collaborators and not telling them that they're not new songs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he pretends he's writing a song in front of them. That's the, sort of the description, because Gary gives it this description in the book of them writing the song together, and Brian's just, like, going, you know, bit by bit and stuff, and he's throwing it out really spontaneously and, like, making Gary come up with lyrics. Um and then when Gary's like, hey, we should do a bridge, and Brian's like, no, we can't have a bridge. That's probably because he's already written the whole song, and he's, <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to change it. <laughs> this is like one of the best things to come out of that collaboration. It's a really good song. It's a really good vocal. It's been more, it was more finished than it is here. Like it's missing the sax intro and some more synthesizer parts and stuff. The, the bootleg mix was further along than this one. This is like an early mix or something again. Again, like um, Spirit of Rock and Roll. It's a great song, and it's one of Brian's best 80s vocals as well. Yeah, I kind of wish it was on his album because I really like it. Let's talk about the 90s page. Yeah, the, the part that we like. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so um, what surprised me was the first paragraph on this page does not mention Andy Paley, <laughs> a guy who Brian did most of his work with in the 90s. Hmm. It mentions like him working with the band Jellyfish, which he, which was just a thing that didn't really work out. And it mentions some benefit performance he did. But no mention of Andy Paley, like the guy who who worked with him for years on co-producing and co-writing like a ton of songs. And then they tried to call these things, they do mention him later somewhere, and then they tried to call these things like demos for imagination. And then they changed that, thankfully, and it sort of underplays it a bit. But I, mean, I think anyone who listened will probably be aware of all this stuff. But this is, this is pretty much after Brian sort of got free from Landy and Landy was like barred from seeing him. He just, uh, Andy was someone Brian worked with in 1987, initially on his solo album. He was like sort of sent by Sire to go um, sort of write songs with Brian and just be there in the studio with him and keep him on track and stuff. He was like sort of assigned as a co-producer slash, collabor um, <laughs> slash collaborator sort of thing. And then as soon as Brian got away from Landy, he basically called up Andy and was like, hey, do you want to go make some music together? And then they did for like about most of the 90s, they were working on stuff together. And yeah. this is where they did most of their work. And you've heard a lot of it on bootlegs. 
and this is the first time a lot of it's been put out there like in clean quality, which is nice. First one is Desert Drive track. So this is a song, uh, they've also uploaded this to YouTube, by the way, in a different stereo, stereo mix. Yeah, stereo yeah. The mono one is the one that was on bootlegs for ages, but the stereo yeah, thing and on that's, the... that's the one on the site. Hmm. Um, but this, this track they wrote together, I think pretty much Andy wrote the music and Brian wrote the words, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, Andy said like he, he started this one by himself, but it's all based on like old Beach Boys riffs. Um, so it's, it's like the Salt Lake City thing is the main part of it, and it's like bits of shut down in there, and I'm sure like half a dozen others. It's like every Beach Boys car song rolled into one. Yeah, and uh, and they, the, uh, the the refrain is pretty much "Hey Little Cobra." Yeah, not a Beach Boys song, but so yeah. So this is all Andy's music, and then Brian helped with the lyrics. I don't know if you wrote all of them or not. Um, it's a really great track. Andy's wife actually commented on the posts to say like this this isn't a demo and like um, sort of explained like who played what on it and stuff, which was kinda cool. Yeah. Brian played organ, um, someone else played all the saxophones, and then Andy played everything else, pretty much. Just three guys. And uh, yeah, he did this track for getting over my head with a different arrangement with his band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they never finished this one, which is a real shame. I want to hear like unhinged '90s Brian singing this, this this song of this track. It would be fantastic. But. Yeah, me too. Okay, um, next one is getting in over my head. This is another one, Brian and Andy Paley that they redid for the album "Getting in Over My Head." But this is the original version, and this is just one of my favorite songs from Brian's solo career. This version. Me too. another one this is uh, the sort of like a controversy about a lot of Brian's solo collaborators and stuff um, like how much Brian did or how involved was he but like Andy's been really transparent about how much he did with Brian's stuff which is why I don't really like thinking about Brian stuff Brian stuff with Andy is like a Brian Wilson like music sort of it's because it's sort of like it's sort of both of them are the artist pretty much and like Andy sings lead on quite a few things and but basically they would both write music, like Andy would write a lot of music and lyrics and Brian would write a lot of music and lyrics and then they'd produce stuff together and record stuff together and both play instruments and stuff and it was really like a, a proper 50-50 thing and it, it's Brian's best like collaboration after the 60s or 70s I think. Like since since Mike I think Andy's like the one guy who's really got Brian as much as, as, much as you know anybody. Um, yeah. With, but with getting in over my head, there are some songs that, that Brian wrote all of the all of the music to, and some that Andy wrote all of the music to, and a lot that they wrote sort of 50-50, but this is one that Andy wrote most of the whole song by himself, and then brought it to Brian, who wrote the bridge by himself, which, like, music and lyrics. Because um, what Andy would do is he would start a song knowing that Brian would probably like this sort of song, and then deliberately not finish it, so then Brian would come up with something really good in the middle of it. 
um, and that's what happened here. But then they produced it together, and I'm sure that's like Tommy Morgan on harmonica and stuff. And it's a really great production and great vocal and great song. I really like the way that Brian and Andy collaborated because that was kind of the first time Brian had someone like that. Because hmm. everyone else was was mainly lyrics. Like Mike Love, obviously, Gary Usher, Roger Christian, Van Dyke Parks, Tony Asher, hmm. um, Landy, I guess. Like all those guys yeah. just pretty much just wrote lyrics. Every once in a while they'd chip in a little melodic idea, but Andy was the first one that made it almost like a Lennon-McCartney kind of partnership in terms of songwriting. But it's it's never like I think like Andy just secretly doing all the work or like Brian making it with Andy Paley's help. It's like a lot of this it's really like they couldn't have made this music without like one or the other. Like Yeah. It, it's it's really a collaboration. Everything they did together at this time. And that's one of the things I like about it so much. It, there's nothing sort of an underhand about trying to make Brian look like he did everything when he maybe didn't. Um, it's it's very just like two people making music together, uh, together and they both play off each other really well. Yeah, it's good stuff. Am I getting it over my head? I never thought it'd be this way. Yes, I'm getting it over my head. And this is where I want to stay. Okay, I'm Broke demo. So this is a song Brian had written like 10 years before or something, sometime in the 80s. Mm. And it is really funny. I really like this song. It's a great song. His, his vocal is just unhinged. He's just yelling. I, yeah, I really like Brian singing in the 90s. It sounds completely crazy and just off the wall. But there's this interview where he, where he said, like, um, remember how Bob Dylan had that really raspy voice in the 60s? Well, I'm like the Bob Dylan of the 90s. When you think about that, it sort of makes sense. And I, I really like all of his vocals here. It's like sort of less pressured than it was in the 80s. And... It's, it's like really wacky, but he always sort of sings on key and like just with full personality. Um, yeah, but the original version of this song was like done in 86 with uh, Gary Asher. And I think Landy didn't like this song. Like, I don't think Landy co-wrote this one. Like I think Brian said that like Landy thought it was too simplistic or something, so he didn't like Brian doing it. Um, and maybe it's kind yeah. of telling that this was like the first original song that Brian went, in, went ahead and recorded with Andy like after the... Um, restraining order um so th this was i think andy playing a lot andy played harmonica jonathan paley andy's brother played bass and stuff and and uh the two brothers sort of came up with the backing vocals and brian flipped out over it it's just a, it's great it's just brian completely like off his head screaming <laughs> these ridiculous lyrics about like you can go him to drive a truck and you know, <laughs> and then Andy's called it like sounded like a sort of depression era blues song, which it kind of does in a way, but it's mixed with this Brian crazy yelling fit sort of thing, and it's yeah, one of my favorite things he did. So good. 
Yeah, I, I think Gary Usher also didn't really like this song. Or at least he thought Brian was out of touch because Brian kept saying, this is going to be a smash, this is yeah. going to be a hit. Yeah. And Gary was like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll record it. But I think Andy was kind of the first one to really understand what Brian was going for here. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Andy seems Andy seems to really get and like Brian's eccentric side, which is one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things about the way they work together is like Brian will like will write like the dumbest lyrics in the world, and Andy will be like, "That's gold, keep it." <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's yes. great. You just get so much personality in this stuff. Then the next one, absolutely, is speaking of that, is Saturday Morning in the City, which has quite a really long backstory. This song. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We should talk about it a little bit because we have some info on it that I don't think anyone else has. Yeah, I think we've got more lyrics for it than anybody else has for the original version. So this is kind of based on a song that Brian had written all the way back in 1968 with uh, Stephen Kulinich um, called Grateful Are We For Little Children. That song never got recorded, at least that we know of. Hmm. But I talked a little bit to Steven and he sent me a voice recording of him singing their original version of the song um, so I'll share a couple of those lyrics he can't share the whole thing but <laughs> the first couple lines are grateful are we for little children laughing and dancing in the sunshine grateful are we for every breath of air though we can't see you we still know you're there uh, so this was probably the, mel- the melody he sang to me was a little bit different at least yeah. past the first two lines. Yeah, it's because uh, because Alan Boyd's um, there's this there's this list of uh, songs Dennis like maybe copyrighted with Stephen Kalanich in 1975 or something or I, I'm not sure what the list is, but one of them was Grateful Away for Little Children. So people thought it was a Dennis song for a, a long time. So Alan Boyd asked Stephen about this, and Stevie was like, "No, this is something I wrote with Brian." And then he sang it to him, and Alan recognized it as um, the melody of Saturday Morning in the City. So. We uh, so yeah so John asked him about it and then what what Stephen sang was like it's really interesting it's sort of like a sort of pensive slow thing it gets different after the first two lines you can sort of picture it being like this be still type song that Brian like changed quite a lot like to make a Saturday morning in the city it's not like a straight just different lyrics and the same music it's quite different but yeah there's a list of things that they were working on for 2020 in 1968 like a sort of list of songs that they wrote on tape box somewhere to like check what they had so far and things they might want to record and the very last thing on the list is Grateful Are We so it means it was written in 68 which is quite interesting because we didn't know when exactly they had done it thought it was maybe the 70s but no it existed like all the way back then um, yeah and then Brian in the 80s took it to Annie Paley he'd already started working on it as Saturday Morning in the City and uh, come up with new lyrics and a new arrangement and new music and stuff and then he got Andy to like kind of contribute some lines and they recorded the original version of it for the uh, solo album in 87 along with a sort of companion like companion song called Saturday Evening in the City which I guess would have been like the same music with new lyrics and like a sort of second half of it yeah we haven't heard that one yeah because the bootleg one is really short it's like a minute and a half long so I guess it would have maybe just been like the same song continued um, and then in about 94 or 95 or whenever it was, they took it out again and expanded it even more into this version, which did come out eventually on the Getting It Over My Head album, but with the new Brian Lee vocal that is less fun and um, 
because he sounds com- completely unhinged on this one. It's one of his like most mental vocals ever, but it, it's fantastic. Next two songs are Soul Searching and You're Still a Mystery. So these songs came out uh, about eight years ago on Made in California, but these are some different mixes mm. from 1995. Um, Soul Searching is pretty much the same recording. It's just a different mix. Uh, You're Still a Mystery, though, has a different Brian vocal. The one that got officially released was from a few years later. 99. When he was working yeah. with Joe Thomas. Yeah. But this one is, is his <laughs> so original one he did then. Yeah, he's all auto-tuned yeah. and... Yeah, th- this vocal's much better. I wake up wondering when I might see you again And every day This this is um when they were doing stuff in like late 1995 for a potential Beach Boys album with Don Moss producing the backing tracks. Um, and Don Moss produced a version of Soul Searching that we haven't heard, like just a backing track for it. Um, Craig, uh, Craig Swinsky's heard it and he said it's really not very good. And uh, Andy didn't like it either and then that's what the Beach Boys vocals were added to. And then like very shortly afterwards, this is like still in 95, Mark Lynette took the Beach Boys vocals and like flew them into the old... Um, back in track that Andy Paley produced because Brian Brian didn't actually hear the song at all until Andy had like written the music and recorded a track for it and then he took it to Brian who wrote most of the lyrics um, or a lot of the lyrics, uh, lyrics I'm not really sure how much he wrote but he definitely wrote the, original, the first line in the bridge I think um, so yeah this is kind of like flown in vocals on the original track that we've, ne- we've never heard the track that they recorded the vocals to and Brian did actually do a lead vocal in 1995 on the original track that um, hasn't gone out anywhere, but I'm hoping we get to hear the rest of that at some point because there is a bootlegged one with Andy doing a guide vocal, but Brian also did his own version with some backing vocals without the Beach Boys. Um, so I hope that gets out at some point. Okay, last one on this page is Sunshine. So this is a track that got used on Imagination. This is demo, but it's the same recording. It's pretty much just an earlier mix without the vocal edited. Yeah, different and, different vocal, yeah. not auto tuned, like less tinkly crap on it, you know. When I saw this this list, I was like, oh, okay, the sunshine demo. That's going to be like my least listened thing on. <laughs> on all of this stuff and then I listen to it it's like oh hang on a second that's this is actually like really good like really really good <laughs> like it suddenly it sounds like a like a whole other song almost and I know I know why it likes imagination I don't think either of us do <laughs> but it's um I don't, I don't listen to it often I, I don't hate it like a lot of people yeah I've, I've got kind of mixed feelings about it I, I've always liked this song sunshine yeah, I, I always favorites. thought I always thought this one was just I never remembered what it went like. So when I heard this, and it sort of it felt like a proper Brian Wilson song. I, if there are more Imagination rough mixes that sound like this, I want them because I've always thought the songwriting on Imagination was pretty good and the vocals are all really good. But just the way the tracks sound, it's like the way I put it was like it's someone got like put everything in like Logic and then changed all of the instruments to the wrong one and just <laughs> put the album out like that. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I really, I really do like this thing. Okay, so that's it for the '90s page, and then one last page. We got the 2000s. So, first two things here are recording sessions for Child is Father of the Man and Surfs Up for uh, Brian Wilson presents Smile. Yeah, I, I really didn't expect to hear these things. This is kind of interesting. No, <laughs> no. it sounds feels weird to hear 2000s smile sessions. It sounds to me like this isn't like proper recorded audio. It sounds like it's from the Beautiful Dreamer um, cameras. The audio mm-hmm. recorded for that. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's not like not like proper like in the studio recording. It's just what the cameras picked up. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they put this thing out, and it, it's a welcome thing to hear. I think um, not the most interesting thing in the world, but I I'm glad that it exists. Good horn sound. Okay, and then last thing we have to talk about is there are five tracks from the earlier demo version of That Lucky Old Son. So, Good Kind of Love, Forever She'll Be My Surfer Girl, Live Let Live, Midnight's Another Day, and Going Home. Good kind of love, good kind of love, good kind of love. They have So these demo tracks, there is a demo version of That Lucky Old Son that, that goes around. And these are pretty much the same tracks from that. If you if you enjoy it, find the bootleg. Because <laughs> you get to hear the whole thing. Um, sorry, yeah, I don't really have much to that. say about it. But um, yeah, Good Kind of Love has Carol King on it, which is pretty fun. Yeah, this is the original thing that like when Carol King went, went around to uh, record her vocals, this is what it sounded like. They just... Fleur and later to like the version recorded at Capitol for the album. Um, basically, what these tracks were was I, Brian was recording them um, with disgraced former band member Scott Bennett <laughs> in 2006. Um, just recording tracks, basically, just recording like songs that he'd newly written. And then he got this commission to do a show for the Royal Festival Hall um, to do some kind of suite or something like that. So Brian went back to this material and was like, "Hey, can we use it?" And then with Scott, they rewrote it into the Lucky Old Son California thing. And then I think took these recordings that they'd done and like redid the vocals and edited them and stuff. And like Darian came in and worked out the transitions. And they put together basically like a template for the entire album um, or the entire show as they were going to perform it um, out of these things. So these are sort of like, I mean, I think that's the way it worked. I don't think they were newly done. I think these are like reworked versions of, of longer sort of on California themed songs that Brian recorded in 2006. Um, yeah, and they've got things like you know the good kind of love has that line about like rolling, rolling around heaven all day and things that <laughs> fit into that. And live that live has that long sort of synth string ending that was a template for the show version. So that that's um, I think it's quite an interesting 
thing that exists, just the fact that they took all these recordings and sort of made like a sort of prototype version of the entire suite slash album before they went in and redid it in the Capitol. And, and um, Midnight's Another Day and Forever She'll Be My Surfer Girl used some of the vocals from the, these demo versions. They just used them on the, on the album, like flew them in because they were really good vocals. Um, so it's a good, it's a cool yep. glimpse into like um, the way Brian was working at that time because it's we both really like Lucky Old Signs. It's a good, good they album. Yeah, that's uh, that's Brian's website. So hopefully we hear and see more from this sometime soon. Uh, you know, his Instagram said it would update occasionally, so I hope we get to do this again because these are cool tracks and there's not a lot of info and the and the info that they have on here is usually wrong <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and i like doing this yeah because I, I mean by the time we get to the actual ladies and like in within, within the show if we're if um if we're still going by then it will be like 2034 or something so <laughs> you know we're a long way off yeah. getting to talk about these talk about all this stuff properly um and uh yeah and then fuel flows is coming out soon my order oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm in the uk so my order just got cancelled on amazon no. so yeah but we're both um our names are both in the special thanks along with jocelyn our friend who is like top beach boys music analysis um alan boyd and craig slowinski managed to get all three of our names in the special thanks for some reason even though we didn't really do anything but that's quite nice i'm looking i'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that so thanks to them yeah that's the news yeah yeah go go to that page whatever page it is look for john brody <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i'm in the u.s of course so my copy is has not been canceled i'm still getting mine in a little less than a month so that's exciting. Hate you. <laughs> so I think that's all we have to say. I guess. Uh, I don't really think we need to transition out. I think Wyatt will. Yeah. Back to the studio. <laughs> yeah. You can take care of that, buddy. You can fix it, Wyatt. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> The brilliant, if not overly eloquent, wonder lads, Will Crera and John Brody, soon to be forever immortalized in CD booklets all across the globe. Thanks, boys. So that'll do it for this episode of Sail On. Next stop is season four, featuring more special guests, top-notch snark, overly detailed session notes, and more importantly, all new custom mixes from Will C. Join us next month for Wild Honey Part 1. I'm pumped. All the ways to further your journey will be linked in the show notes. Until next time, for John, Will, Will, and Mel, this is Wyatt. Sail on, sailors. So beautiful.
Et cool.